welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove in England, and I'm joined by a man who's all the way in the United States of America. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. I like that you make it sound as though I'm the one who's gone on some great and magnificent journey, as opposed to you, who's on the other side of the world. See what I did there? I made you seem like the foreign one. I mean, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, I think for purposes of Game of Thrones having just ended, it is appropriate for you to be back in England. It feels it yes. feels fitting, like you've returned to your homeland. Well, okay, no spoilers, right? Because uh-huh. it was only um, it was very recent. Um, uh-huh. But I don't think people know this, but because everybody wants to see Game of Thrones immediately, and you can't really delay, right? Because of Twitter and all that sort of stuff, it airs simultaneously, which means here in England it aired at two a.m. Yep. Uh, I know. I know commercial breaks, so it was like 15 minutes longer as well. So I stayed up till four o'clock last night to watch the finale of Game of Thrones. Wait, hold on. A couple of things. First of all, I knew that you had stayed up late because you were compiling the questions document, and I was like, yeah. "Go to bed," and you were like, "No, Game of Thrones we is weird, starting." We had a weird chat in a Google Doc last night. It, felt, it felt weird. It felt weird. But also, <laughs> there are commercials in your version. Yes. So there's a oh, channel called boy. Sky Atlantic, which is essentially they just buy all the mm. HBO content, or maybe it's like a white labeled HBO. Um, but it's not a separate subscription, right? Like you buy your uh, cable package for Sky and it's just included. So because it's not like a premium subscription channel, uh, it's paid for with with ads. Yeah. And, you know, like the way they film Game of Thrones, it's not designed for ad breaks. Yeah. So you know, normally with, their, that, yeah. with network TV, it's designed, right? Even like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it's designed to be a break for an ad. So they would just like ram it in wherever they could find a break. They, they did more, <laughs> I, this isn't a spoiler, they did more fades than I think I'm used to seeing in Game of Thrones. So I do think yeah, that lended true. itself to yeah. maybe commercial breaks. So at least But it was, was very that. much like, dragons, fire, Volvo, Oreos. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's, what I of of. that's what I yeah. think of. That's what I think of. I will also say, I believe Chernobyl is a co-production between HBO and Sky, and you should be watching yeah. Chernobyl. Uh, that's, that's my final feedback on HBO. Okay. Um, oh, I heard a joke while I was here, actually, because we started talking about Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. Um, they pronounce it differently here because, you know, we pronounce everything incorrectly. It's an English tradition. Uh-huh. Uh, they pronounce it Chernobyl. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and apparently the big joke at the time, because my, my older brothers and sisters were in school at the time, was um, why don't why have people stopped wearing boxer shorts? And the, the punchline is because of Chernobyl fallout. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, you're, this is where you get it from. I understand. It now. Is. You, your it people find these things funny. It, it's a West Midlands thing. right? There it is. That, that, yeah. that might could be. Yeah. That might could be. I even misdelivered the punchline by adding an of that kind of ruined it, but it still worked. It's, see, I wouldn't have known the difference, <laughs> so I wouldn't worry about it. Um, but yeah, well, I guess we should, we, we should get to soccer. As right? I was going to say, we should move away from HBO and yes. uh, the productions they're involved in uh, and move on to maybe the Gold Cup. Should we talk Gold Cup for a moment? Let's talk Gold Cup. So the news, like pretty much as we're recording, I'm not sure when this will be published, but as we're recording, um, the Gold Cup preliminary roster has been released. It is 40 names for for all teams, right? So the US have named 40 players to the preliminary roster. It'll be cut down to 23 um, basically later this week. There's no specified date that we know of, of exactly when it will happen. And there's some interesting um, uh, misses and some interesting additions. So... Here's the first thing I want to say, I know people like us to read the entire roster. I think 40 is too many. Uh, yes, I would agree with that Fair? entirely. Yes. All right. So, Especially so since with- I'm still working out uh, because it is some weird convoluted timelines. We are recording this before noon on Monday, but it will probably be airing on Tuesday after okay. I talk to Ryan Bailey about some of the things we're going to talk about today. So we'll see how much overlap oh, there wow. actually is. Yeah. Okay. Should All be right. good. Well, I mean, I, I would bet I'm more emotionally invested in the Gold Cup preliminary roster than Mr. Ryan Bailey. Uh, 1,000%, yes. He'll be more into the England roster for the, uh, the Netherlands game. He's um, buying John Mayer tickets or something. Yeah. <laughs> Just buys one every week. Uh-huh. Um, so 40 names, but the names not on the roster. DeAndre Yedlin, because mm-hmm. he had that surgery, right? So he's had the surgery, taking the summer off to recover. John Brooks is missing. So his knee problems that have kept him out for Wolfsburg towards the end of the season, even after a great season for Wolfsburg, no John Brooks. That is bad news for the United States. Yes, it is. Yeah. Good uh, news for Walker Zimmerman. I mean, yeah, I, I, would say so. I would say so. Good good news for the other center backs on there. Omar Gonzalez uh, makes the roster, so I guess good news for him. You yeah, wonder if he'd be so there if John Brooks were not. Um, who, else, who, else is, who else is missing that, uh, that really caught your eye? I mean, no Bobby Wood, no Andrea Novakovic. Uh, I yes. was surprised to not see either of them for different reasons. For Bobby Wood, not been the season he wanted. Some speculation yeah. that he's going to get a move. In the past, we've seen U.S. managers call in players who kind of needed that sort of, like, I guess, 
reminder for uh, potentially interested suitors that, oh, yeah, this player plays for the national team and, and can be good if given the right situation. So no Bobby Wood, it feels like maybe he's just kind of on the outs. He's going to have to figure some things out for himself. For Novakovic, yeah. who had a decently strong season for Fortuna Sittard, they stayed up in the Eredivisie. That was not necessarily a thing that was expected of them. Uh, Novakovic did get goals, did have a strong season, but I think maybe just doesn't quite fit with what Berhalter wants that central striker to be for the national team. He wants so he him also to be Jesse Pretty much, because Jesse Jardis <laughs> is in there. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But it does suggest that maybe Bobby Wood's in bad form, so I understand, mm-hmm. right? It's it's just not, maybe it's not a good time for him to play for the national team. But Novakovic, it really does seem like maybe there's something Berhalter doesn't like about his game. Yeah. Or his face. Who knows? Or his face. <laughs> uh, or, I mean, it might just be that in terms of like, okay, if I need a striker to come on late who can like flick the ball on and win challenges, maybe he's just uh, seen, uh, who am I looking for here? I don't know. Christian Ramirez, maybe? That's the one. Thank you. Yeah, he's seen Christian Ramirez do it. Uh, there's too many names on the roster for me to track. Yeah, he's seen <laughs> Christian Ramirez do it to some extent already, and maybe he just thinks, like, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with him if I need yep. to. I don't want to bring anybody else in. I'll instead look at the players that I definitely think could play a role in different positions at different times. All right, well, let's talk about who is on there. I'd like to go with the names that are maybe... Maybe they don't make the final 23, but it's mm-hmm. interesting to me that they're in contention. I would start with Miles Robinson, who's been in great form for Atlanta United. He is on the preliminary roster. Centre-back, for those who don't know. Very smooth with the ball. Very sharp in terms of like covering and getting tackles in. Everyone's quite excited for Miles Robinson. So this, this could be the beginning of his moment. Forgive me, because uh, we could talk about Miles Robinson specifically. But my question for you is, like, do you know... Because uh, I do not. Like, are all 40 of these players coming into camp, or is it just the players that are eligible to then no. be on the squad called into camp? Yes, the second one. Okay. Yeah, so there'll be a much smaller camp of probably 23, maybe a couple more will be announced sort of later, I think later this week or early next week. But then if there are injuries, then this is the list we right. have to pull from. And that's why it's significant that, say, Bobby Wood or Novakovic are not there. They cannot, as I understand it, I may be wrong. You can edit this if I'm wrong. Um, they may be, uh, they may be, th- those guys cannot be pulled in if there's injuries. Only guys from this 40-man list. That's why it's the preliminary roster, right? Same as with the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, you can only pull guys from this list. Yeah, and I, and I think... It's the long list, the long list. So then you kind of have to... And this isn't really math I'm going to try to do. Uh, I know I've said that before and that I go right into doing that math, but I'm really not going to try to get into like who I think is maybe there as like, we know this player, if there's an injury, we can call them in versus really in contention for that 23. But it does feel like... I'm glad you started with Miles Robinson because he does feel like one to me who very much could be in the equation yes. for getting chance, minutes right? at the Gold Cup. I think so because he's had a strong season. I think because Berhalter, has thus far shown himself to be open to bringing in new faces and new names mm-hmm. to see what they're capable of. And he then it's the system as well, right? Like he can bring the ball out yeah. of the back. He fits uh, Berhalter's system. I've just realized there's actually a lot of interesting names to talk about. So we should really clip along. Yeah. Who's the the next name that's like maybe, um, I mean, the obvious guys there, right? Like Josie Alto, Christian Pulisic, Weston mm-hmm. McKenney, Todd Adams, they're all there. But who's one of these sort of the unexpected names that jumps out at you when you read this 40-man list? I actually was kind of concerned about Tyler Adams, given his own injury situation. Uh, he's yeah. there listed as a defender. So that we would yes, that that's worth noting, right? right? Thing. Yep. That's worth noting. Uh, but Tyler Boyd is probably the biggest one that I think yes. most, most like, like enthusiastic U.S. men's national team supporters will have kept be, been keeping an eye on, will have heard the news that he has filed his one-time switch and it has been accepted. Uh, he yep. will no longer be representing New Zealand. He is now eligible to represent the United States. And I do think the timing of that paperwork is uh, pretty clear that he was going yep. to be called into the squad and is included on the preliminary roster. I would expect him to be in that 23-man camp. So should we share our Tyler Boyd knowledge here? Because people, a lot of people will only be hearing the name for the first time unless right? they listen to yesterday's show recorded after this one uh because because oh, okay. <laughs> uh ryan and i do sort of talk about like what specifically we think he's going to be bringing what sort of his skill set is but the gist of it is he's uh an attacking winger can play on either side uh i've seen him play both right and left side for ankara gaju and i think a big part of that is because i've seen him use use both feet he can score with his left he can score with his right he takes set pieces uh i think of him as sort of like paul areola uh, but maybe with a little bit better better finishing instincts. I think he's a bit flasher than Paul Ariola mm-hmm. as well. Though. What I've seen of Tyler Boyd is a lot of stepovers and then maybe a slowdown and then a burst of pace that Ariola doesn't have. I think mm-hmm. Boyd is going to be one of the quickest players um, on this roster. You know, like Adams and all those guys were having the argument about who's the fastest. Mm-hmm. It could be Tyler Boyd uh, once he's in. And I really like the idea of an attack with like Boyd and Christian Pulisic. That's a lot of 
a lot of dribbly pace in one team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I and, mean, two, and two guys not famed for the accurate crossing, but they can definitely get past people in a way that maybe, say, Corey Baird can't. Yeah, I, I think that's probably safe. <laughs> to and pick it, a name completely at random. And in a position not, not where really. I do think the United States could use a, a bit more depth, I, I understand why he uh, he maybe gets a call in. Oh, worth noting, Kenny Saif does not get a call in and could yeah. play in that similar position. Uh, I, I genuinely don't know if that's an injury situation or maybe just Greg Berhalter doesn't quite rate him. Uh, yeah. Regardless, he is not there. Uh, uh, Tyler Boyd is. What about you, yeah. Daryl? Any other names that you're excited to see? Well, one thing I want to note is Tyler Boyd is the Kenny Safe of this Gold Cup because didn't Kenny Safe do the exact same thing? Didn't he do yes, a switch from and then was called yep. up for the 2017 Gold Cup and then got injured in one of the warm-up games? So we have to hope that history doesn't repeat itself and Tyler Boyd doesn't get like injured against Jamaica. Oh, 2017. 2017 yeah. Gold Cup when things seemed like they were going to be okay? Question they were mark? borderline optimistic. Yeah. Right? Okay. And then we're right down the hill. Guys, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about too deeply because I don't think I don't think they make the 23, but it's interesting that they're on this roster. Joe Zhao. Mm-hmm. Joe Zhao. Yep. That's interesting. Right? Uh, Joseph-Claude um, Agamemnon Zhao. We, oh, we, yeah. we, oh, we get middle names Now you've here. said it. Now you've said it. The 40-man preliminary roster has all the middle names. It does. Who's your fav- what's your favorite middle name? I mean, Tana? I'm stealing yours because you're the one who pointed it out. Dwayne Octavius Holmes is pretty yes. solid. A gladiator and a central midfielder. <laughs> um, so yeah, we should talk about Dwayne Holmes as well. Slash Emperor. Slash Emperor. Let's give credit where credit is due. Excuse me. He hasn't been caught up before. He's in the playoff final, mm-hmm. uh, Derby versus Villa, which is uh, next Monday. Um, a lot of people have been hyped for Dwayne Holmes. Like, call him up, call him up, call him up for a long time. He is like the mo- one of the most popular men's national team players on Twitter. Um, it's interesting. This basically this says to me, at the very least, Berhalter is paying attention. And Dwayne Holmes will either get an actual call-up or at least is somewhere on the radar. Gosh, coming out of our, our br- brief mention of 2017, the bar is so low that like Dwayne Holmes shows that Greg Berhalter is at least paying attention. Well, <laughs> I mean... Hooray! Bruce, Bruce Arena kind of wasn't paying attention overseas, right? Have fun, New England fans. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it, it is exciting to see him. It will be exciting to see him for the national team because I cannot claim to have watched a lot of Derby. Uh, I watched yeah. the playoff highlights. He looked he looked good from what I saw. I plan to watch a bit mm-hmm. more Scout to get a better understanding of what Dwayne Holmes is going to bring. But, yeah, it's it does feel like he is one who is on this roster, maybe makes it into, into that 23 squad, but also maybe we don't end up seeing this summer. I really could see it go either way, and I think that's kind of what I'm comfortable saying about Dwayne Holmes is that I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he starts the first Gold Cup game. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't even make it past this roster. I, I'd i be excited to see him on the roster. I actually hope that he makes it. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll see. We'll see you later on. Yeah. Um, other names that are jumping out at me, um, Marlon Fussy, the former under-20 right back, who yeah. um, he's with Fulham. Apparently, um, I read on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, maybe Arthur Kogan said that he had a really good preseason for Fulham and was expected to maybe make his Premier League debut. But uh, some injuries uh, kept him off. So he hasn't had a lot of heat behind him, just publicity-wise, Marlon Fussy. And he's also, you know, there's, all, there's Tyler Adams, there's Reggie Cannon. He's already the third choice. There's Nick Lima. He's maybe the fourth choice right back looking at this depth chart. So, uh, but this is just an indication, again, that maybe he's at least in Berhalter's thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, another name uh, I would say that I did not expect to see, but we have instead seen included is Andrew Gutman of the Charlotte Independence yes. in the USL Championship on loan from Celtic. So, like, maybe... If you're trying to get your head around that one, you could look at it as like a Celtic player who's playing in the United States as opposed to a USL championship player who's included in the roster. You mean Andrew David Goodman? Oh, course. excuse me. <laughs> I apologize. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> he, he, I think that just that speaks to our lack of left backs, essentially. Yeah. I, you know yeah. I, mean? <laughs> I think that's uh, definitely true. With that in mind, Anthony Robinson is included. Uh, I, I still feel like it's a decent shout to start at left back. Greg Garza in that conversation as well. I, and Nick I Le- feel weird about Robinson and Garza because I'm say of Nick that. Lino, that wouldn't that, have been true. Sorry, go that ahead. Left back, that left back job is then to shift over to left center back. Yeah. At least if we have the Tyler Adams shifting into midfield thing. And that works for... For Daniel Lovitz, it works for Tim Ream, who's also on this roster. It doesn't work for Anthony Robinson um, or any or Greg Garza or any sort of attack first left back. So it'll be interesting when the final rushes announced. What's the balance between like guys who can play left back and centre back versus guys who play left back and get forward? Um, he might go with none. He might go with none of the latter, or he might do a little mix so that Berhalter has options. Yeah, I w- yeah. What would you prefer there? I feel like I would like to see maybe one who can do the left back sliding into a center back role, and then yes. one who can do the left back becoming like a left winger if the situation requires. 
Yes, I think, yeah, I prefer both options so that we can, if it's not working, we can switch it up, which um, I've got faith in Greg Berhalter that that's what happens. That's how optimistic and confident I am about the summer of 2019. All right, and if you had to pick, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot and say, if you had to pick one player in this preliminary roster who you think ends up being the captain throughout the Gold Cup, is it Will Trapp or is it somebody else? I can't remember who's been captain so far. Aaron Long has been captain, right? Oh, yeah. Has Michael Bradley won the armband? I feel like probably, but I can't really remember. I, yeah, um, I, I think those are the three shouts, though. I think I think you're right. Surprisingly enough, that's not a thing I would have said a year or two ago. But yeah, I feel like Tim Ream. Might... Tim Ream was captain as well, right? At one point. See, all right. So maybe maybe what we're stumbling upon is that it doesn't necessarily matter who the captain yeah. is. It's not going to be a thing <laughs> that Berhalter is looking to to like who do they rally around. It's sort of who yeah. do we go to in this moment. All right, two names we've got to mention before we move on. I realize we're you know we're going a little long on this, but Josh Sargent's name is on the forty man roster. It is so Josh Sargent could be making this Gold Cup, and of course, I mean Joshua Thomas Sargent. <laughs> Joshua Thomas Sargent indeed did not have maybe the breakout season we would have liked to have seen, but uh, is in there. Maybe he is a stronger summer. Worth noting, Timothy Weah is not there as we've said previously because he'll be playing for the U twenties at the U twenty yep. World Cup instead of with the senior team. That's fair. And did you spot Jonathan Amon's name? I did. So that I mean that seems that seems to be the reason why Eamon and Sargent are not on the U twenty roster is because Berhalter must have talked to Ramos and said, actually I'm gonna think about these guys at the Gold Cup. I think that means there's a decent chance that they both make the final roster, because otherwise it's a waste of their time. Uh, yeah, I would agree you know with that entirely. And I think like Eamon could have could have been at the World Cup instead. The uh, U20 World Cup. No disrespect. I genuinely can't remember if this was a conversation with Ryan Bailey, Travis Clark, or you. Uh, but yes, that was that was my contention in talking that, that about that U20 squad. Is that if you're gonna have Timothy Weah there and Josh Sargent not? Yeah, I 100 percent believe that it means Josh Sargent is going to be on that roster. Uh, maybe not starting, yeah. but will be on like kind of like the 23 final roster. And I would say that probably does extend to Jonathan Amen as well. Then because why deprive him of potential minutes with the U20s unless he's going to get potential minutes with the senior team? All right. Anything else you'd like to add before we uh, before we move on to listener questions? Other than where, where did you find the roster release? Because you are the one who shared it with me, and you have the 40-player national team preliminary roster for every single uh, nation competing in the Gold Cup. I am on the CONCACAF media distribution there list. There we go. There we go. It pays to be on the CONCACAF media distribution list, I suppose. It certainly does. It certainly <laughs> well does. done, my friend. <laughs> um, also, if you see all the rosters, the Mexico rosters, out, I haven't had a look at it yet, so I'll be interested to see um, who made that because, you know, there's a whole thing of a lot of players were missing it, right? Like, yes. Baylor didn't want to go. I think Chicharito was having a kid or something, and uh, Herrera was doing a transfer. I think the Mexico roster might end up being weak. Now is probably not the time to wing it, right? But uh, uh, probably, <laughs> Take a look at the Mexico roster. Yeah. Probably not, and, and it does th- then make me wonder if maybe some of those players didn't want to be included because of performance anxiety. And do you know where else you might have performance anxiety, Daryl? In the bedroom. There we go. See what I did there? Uh, because today's yeah, show is brought to you by Hims, a wellness brand for men. Uh, you've heard us talking about Hims. If you haven't yet, get on board and stop struggling with uh, erectile dysfunction issues, sexual performance issues, because they are more common than you might think. I got some stats for you, Taylor. What you got? Um, according to Hims, one in four guys suffer from ED at some point but it can be treated. Uh, and over 25% of new ED cases, ED stands for erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Let's not, let's not uh, beat around it. Um, the, 25% of new ED cases are guys under 40. This is not just an old man problem. It is not. And I think I, I appreciate that because I, as they say here, getting older sometimes means certain parts of the body might not be working as they should. And that is like a thing I've experienced on the soccer field, at least, is sort of like, hey, this used to recover faster. That didn't used to hurt so much. <laughs> and it is a product of, of aging. And it's a thing that you kind of have to be reactive to. I think I was having the, this conversation with you about like just sitting in the park and realizing how often I get knocked to the ground playing soccer and then thinking about just throwing myself to the ground like that many times just sitting in a park. It felt sort of weird and it's a thing that you kind of have to do that math on as you age you've got to kind of approach things differently and i think that's what hims is getting at is that you shouldn't be sort of embarrassed because maybe this is happening in your 30s it might be happening to way more people than you expect and instead of kind of fretting about it and doing nothing you should probably do something about it and hims makes it very easy to do something about it what you should do about it is do science there we do go some science, science. yeah yeah so the active ingredient <laughs> is <laughs> Sildenafil. Mm-hmm. Sildenafil, and it be, can, can be prescribed for men online and delivered right to their door. Um, it's, all, it's all completely confidential and discreet. So there's no sort of awkward doctor's visit where you have to go in and explain to your maybe your primary care person that you know really well. Um, you can do this um, online and it's sort of processed by a doctor that you don't know and you don't have to see again. 
And, and also, uh, we, we often talk about how not fun it is to go to the doctor. They point out here, it's not fun to wait in the lo- long line at the pharmacy because there's always a long line somehow. Somehow everyone is always getting medicine at the exact same time. And then yeah. you got to deal with the, the pharmacist. That, just, that or, might just be our local pharmacy. I mean, that could also be. Maybe Richmond needs some more people uh, working there. But you don't have to deal with the long lines. You don't have to deal with like even talking to a person uh, because, yeah, yeah, it's all discreet. It's all confidential. It comes straight to your door. Uh, and best of all, the first month is just $5. Uh, Hims will get you started for just 5 bucks while supplies last and subject to doctor approval. See website for full details and safety information. But this could cost hundreds if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy. And hundreds of hours if you went to a pharmacy in Richmond. This Instead, go to go to fourhims.com slash total sucker ed. Mm-hmm. That's fourhims.com slash total sucker ed. And we're gonna conjure beer juice, beer juice, fourhims.com slash total sucker ed. How do you spell four hymns, Taylor? Uh F-O-R-H-I-M-S. That's correct. There you go, F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash totalsucker-E-D. All right. Four times is the charm. Uh, yeah. So thank you to Hims for sponsoring today's episode. Daryl Grove, I believe with the roster conversation in the books, uh, we've got some listener questions to get to. Up first we do. is a question from Logan Weening. Uh, if you could add one player from the 1994 USA World Cup squad to the current USMNT roster, who would it be? Oh, this is a great question. Thank you, Logan. This is when I put the call out on Twitter. Do you have any US-related questions? And this is one of the great ones that mm-hmm. we got because it's a thinker, right? It's a real thinker. Um, my answer is the, the thing that we don't necessarily have right now are really good wingers. Mm-hmm. Um, we have like all these guys in the pipeline, like Yusi Giannis, uh, young Jonathan Amon, maybe Comrade De La Fuente. But right now, like it's, you know, Corey Baird and people and we're using Christian Pulisic through the middle. So I think there's a good argument for Kobe Jones to just have a good old fashioned winger. Cause you hear all those 94 guys talk like Eric Wijnaldum talks about Kobe Jones as just, we knew if the ball was out wide on Kobe Jones's foot, one way or another, he was getting a crossing. <laughs> something was, uh, something was happening. The the other argument would be for an attacking midfielder because maybe Pulisic and McKennie are like our number 10s, but they're not really number 10s. So there's an argument for like Tab Ramos or maybe even uh, Hugo Perez. Uh, but I think if push comes to shove, I think I would go Kobe Jones just to have a good old-fashioned winger. All right. Um, I would say maybe as like the 10 support striker, because I think I would agree those are the areas that I looked at as well. Uh, I think yeah. Ernie Stewart could do that job because we've seen him score goals for this 94 team. We've seen him get involved in the attack. Wasn't also... he like usually more like either a winger or a forward, though, as opposed to a 10? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's where I had him, but I would rather him because he could be both. I don't really think of him, therefore, as like the central striker that maybe I want, but also maybe that fits better. Because if we know Berhalter is going to play the way he's going to play and doesn't necessarily want the big, sort of tall target striker, maybe that's where I want Ernie Stewart, is my number nine, but can also kind of move around the way we've seen, say, Jesse Zardes do uh, for the January camp. So I, actually, I think I maybe just answered it right there. I'm going to say Ernie Stewart. All right, interesting. Um, would he also still be the, uh, the GM? Uh, yes, that is definitely also part of it. It has nothing to do with it. So he, he'd then just pick himself. Right? The, the, the other one, weirdly, I, I wanted to throw in there was maybe Joe Max Moore. And I have a reason for it, but it's not necessarily a good reason. It's just that when I hear people who covered that 94 team or have gone back and watched that 94 team, I hear a lot about how he is this sort of unappreciated player, both like for that era and then like going forward at, like for the clubs he played for and the kind of career he had. But it's not yeah. one that I really have that much familiarity with. And since I do think attack is a kind of vulnerable area for the U.S. national team right now, I say just throw Joe Max Moore in there and then I can see really what he did. And I don't have to go back and watch kind of uh, like old gritty VHS tapes or VHS footage. <laughs> I can watch it now in uh, crystal clear uh, HD. I also want to share a name with you that um, caught my attention, but I didn't go with him. Claudio Reyna was on that 94 World Cup squad. Yes, he I was. didn't know that. He was only 20 years old. So he just, He's he was behind Tab Ramos, I assume, right? Mm-hmm. So he just, I don't know if he played at all, but he didn't play a big role. So I'm not really sure the parameters of Logan's question, but like if we could get peak career Claudio Reyna, which is what, like 2002-ish, he would be my choice because then he would fit perfectly in uh, one of those sort of uh, left side, right side, number 10 spots that Greg Berhalter has. So but I, I think, assuming we're looking at the actual 94 team, if you go with an attacking midfielder, it's got to be Tab Ramas or Hugo Perez if you want to go all flair and take a gamble. In fact, do you know what I mean? Can I change my, accent, my uh, answer to Hugo Perez? I just knew you were going to do open? that. <laughs> I knew you'd do that one. Let's yeah. get a showman in there. All right, you're going to get Hugo Perez. I, yeah, I think he's I'm the gonna, real Tommy Thompson. I'm going to stick with Ernie Stewart uh, for my nominee, though I did also toy around with uh, Eric Winalda, Uh, You know, just because maybe throwing Winalda in there, I, you need a little bit of intensity. 
I mean, he's great and he's intense, but is Eric Ronaldo really a better striker than Josie Altador? I'm not sure that he is. I mean, Eric Ronaldo would say he was. Yeah, I'm sure he would. <laughs> I mean, part of the brilliance of Eric Ronaldo is very confident and very determined, right? Yeah. I mean, there is, yeah, maybe that is worth having in your team just for that reason. There, right, well, we, could, there, we could talk in circles. But that is, a, that is also kind of what I want to see. I want to know, like, because I do often wonder, like, that 2002 squad in my head is so incredible. But I wouldn't mind seeing a few of those 2002 players playing for the national team right now and see, like, do they hold up? Are they technically proficient enough? Or, yeah. like, were they just that good back then that, yeah, they could play today? All questions you mean I would 2002 like to know. Or- 2002 or 94? Well, 2002 is the one that stands out in my head as being like one of the best national teams we've put in a major competition. But I, yeah. I don't know. And I would say the same thing goes to the 94 team as well, that they make the knockout round. But like, and I think of them as this great team, the denim jerseys, Alexi Lalas doing stuff. But like, were they that good? Maybe throw a few players in and we find out for sure. So let's get some yeah. time machine situations happening. Well, and then the real answer is they're all about 50. So none of them. Well, also that. Yeah. <laughs> You ready for the next question? I'm glad you cracked yourself up with that. Yes, next question. Yeah. Guy Yedwab uh, wants to know, following up on the question about alternatives to penalty shootouts, remember we got a question about whether maybe it should be taken even farther back. Um, Mm -hmm. um, How about this option instead as like an alternative to a penalty shootout? Master set piece theater off. This is Guy's suggestion. Um, A computer would randomly select a point on the field between 18 and 35 yards out from goal, and it would then be taken as a direct free kick. The winner is the best of three since it would take longer to set up and execute. Play ends on out of bounds. Now, I'm assuming Taylor, that this means the entire team is on the field, right? Uh, it's not yeah, master set free state if it's just like one shooter, right? So this yep. is the whole team mm-hmm. and guys saying we set up and we take a free kick um, and that would be the uh, instead of penalty shootouts. Um, so then you take it in turns, best of three. Guy says, would this be a fairer reflection of the better team than penalties? Would you prefer to see it, and which teams would advocate for this? Uh, no and no for my first two. Sorry, guy. Yes, it would. I mean, it might be a fairer reflection of the better team than penalties. See, I disagree. I don't think it would, because I think it just comes down to who's the more drilled team. Yeah, but at least it's a team activity rather than individual activity, True. so there's that. But the other thing is, and if you know the percentages of how many people score like from set-piece stuff, Minimal. it's pretty low. Yeah. So, we would be there all night waiting for a team to score. This would take hours. Yeah, well, and but also then I would extend it further to like, okay, if the free kick is from, I mean, there are plenty of, of players who take that free kick from 35 yards out. So then like, are we weighing it on goal, on like goal? If it goes in the back of the net, does that matter? Because then if you just have Leo Messi taking a free kick from 25 yards out or Ronaldo or Beckham or whomever, like then it still is basically an individual effort and kind of moves away from the master set piece theater a little bit. Yeah, it depends where the ball is, right? True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but so I mean, I would say the it? max distance of thirty-five yards out. Ronaldo will still shoot from thirty-five yards out on a free kick. Marcus Rashford yeah. will still shoot on a th- on a free kick from thirty-five yards out. But brilliant as Ronaldo mm-hmm. and Messi and Rashford are at free kicks, um, they still don't score most of them, right? So it still would be a mm-hmm. long night waiting for someone to score, and double that if you're starting to like you know put crosses in and all that sort of stuff. Yep. So there's just not enough goals in this for it to be a good alternative to a penalty shootout. But so to the final question, assume for some crazy reason this does actually happen, which teams would be advocating for this? I mean, I feel like Jose Mourinho teams who like do a little (laughs) bit of like set piece instruction, but yeah, really anybody who I think spends a lot of time designing and setting up different types of set pieces. I feel like the U.S. women's national team would love this one. Not that they find themselves in penalties too often, but we've seen them do a lot of design set pieces and a lot of kind of choreographed plays off of corners especially. So I feel like maybe that's that, that's a team who would who would go for it although i think they also back themselves in penalties a little bit i'm right now thinking liverpool just because they have virgil van dyke to aim mm-hmm. for and he just seems to, and and jean matip they still have this like double threat uh when you're crossing it in and they have a couple of nice routines right with like alexander arnold and robertson running over it so you don't know mm-hmm. if it's coming in swinging out swinging or shakiri getting involved so i think liverpool will be quite keen on this how much of that is, most- how much of that is born of the champions league goal no, no, this is a season-long thing. Think okay. how many uh, uh, set pieces Van Dijk has won over mm-hmm. this over this season. Yeah. This is true. This is true. Yeah. All right. So, so, so we're going go. Liverpool That's and the U.S. Answer. women's national team. Perfect. There we go. Yeah, yeah. we'll be advocating I, for this. And everybody else will be saying, no, thank you. I, and I think, honestly, the real reason why, like, I like the I like new ideas. I like different ways of thinking. I appreciate the question from Guy. I think, really, the biggest thing for me is this would just scream, like, gimmick 
to me to have like a computer. Like we're already barely okay with VAR yeah, as like I a global like a soccer community. The idea of like a, a computer randomly generating people are going to complain about that. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, wait, hold on. We have to go where? We have to do what? And the more yep. confusing it is to, I would say, like – People of the generation above you in the West Midlands, the less likely it is to be applied on a global scale. Why are you throwing shade at my dad? I mean, um, so- <laughs> yeah, you know why. <laughs> or the people with the Chernobyl. He knows what he did. Yes, exactly. <laughs> also, I just realized, would this be a fairer reflection of the better team than penalties? Given the, the randomness of where the, the free kick is to yeah. be taken from? No, because that's immediately unfair, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. All right. So there I'm, we go. I'm glad we're on the same page then. Yes. Wonderful. Should we move on to the next question, which is also on the same page? It helpfully is indeed on the same page. Daryl, thank you for compiling our listener questions. Uh, from Matt Koss, who is the best player in the world who doesn't play in a country's top league? For example, League uh, De or Serie B or the USL? I may be, this may be a recency bias because I've been mm-hmm. spending time in the West Midlands with a lot of Aston Villa fans. Yeah. And they are convinced that Jack Grealish is the second coming. Of, of dribbly midfielders. Um, uh, hasn't he so, been the second coming of dribbly midfielders for about four seasons now? I mean, but that's kind of the argument for him yeah. is that he's already done it in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He had that season where he was brilliant in the Premier League when he was, what, 22? Um, or so many, like, beat Liverpool in the FA Cup semi-final almost single-handedly. Um, and then he had kind of a down year, but this year, apparently, Villa's resurgence is all about Jack Grealish coming back from injury. And I actually watched a couple of games with my friend Hugh, and he really is an impressive midfielder. The the best part is like he's this creative player who like runs at people and everybody gets terrified when he runs at them and like can strike from can strike from distance and he's got like a nice shimmy to beat people. Mm-hmm. But he's not he doesn't have to play like as a second striker or a number 10. He's actually playing as a central midfielder, which I think is weirdly kind of valuable, right? Cuz you're like a luxury player but you're still doing a full central midfield job. So I may be biased and it also may be lack of knowledge about Ligue 2 and Serie B. Sarah Burr and Hot Shots Part Deux. But I think it might be Jack Grealish. And I think either Villa get promoted in the playoff final or even though he's captain at Villa and is a Villa fan, most Villa fans seem to think they just won't hold on to him if they're in the championship for another season. So my answer is going to be Jack Grealish. Uh, that, that is my number one answer as well. I had two players. Uh, and I think for... <laughs> so family feud. <laughs> Uh, yes, I think if it, it is. Uh, hopefully you have more than two answers. I don't think it works otherwise. But yeah, I mean, and I think it's, yeah, like for, for everything you've mentioned and the fact that he is still, with all that said, only 23 years old, it 24. feels, uh, he is 23. He is 23, like I said. No, we're on the same page. 23 years old. Uh, yeah, I think like it's the perfect time for him to either go back to the Premier League and kind of reestablish dominance or, uh, get a move that has been rumored in the past. But I also think to your earlier point, I don't know if this is just recency biased or if it's that I don't have as much familiarity with a lot of the second divisions around the world. Um, I do feel like you usually have like one player who sticks with the club when they go down that you sort of know, or there's a more known player who's like maybe like reaching the end of their career who's playing in a second division. I had a hard, harder time finding any of those or anybody who I had a lot of familiarity yeah, with. There's no, there's no Gigi Buffon or Andrea Perlo or Alessandro no. Del Piero going down with Juventus, right? No, and there are plenty of like good players in Serie B, but I can't claim the familiarity to maybe be yeah. able to articulate on their behalf. The one other it's, nominee it's I actually, had... It's actually pronounced Serie B. <laughs> exactly. There we go. Uh, <laughs> my other nominee I had was Yangel Herrera, uh, who is sort of kind of a tricky answer because he is a Manchester City player, but he was on loan at Huesca in uh, the Segunda Division in Spain. Uh, hmm. But he was there loaned in 2019. Uh, he played and made 16 appearances. That team is getting promoted to La Liga. He played a big role in that one. So playing in the second division, helping a team get promoted, I would say Yangel Herrera would be my other nominee. But again, that's a little bit tricky because he's on loan his senior team is manchester city after all yes all right all right all right so you got any more any more names you want to throw out there i mean again there's like there's names that i read about i got kind of excited by like luca connell or connell uh, probably connell given that he's from bolton uh the bolton modric uh available on a free this summer southampton wolves spurs all interested he's apparently like the midfield maestro but again, I'm, suddenly, I'm suddenly also very interested i think anytime anybody gets compared to modric daryl gets excited uh he yeah, has sh- bolton modric and i and i saw it described i think in the article i was reading as like he has shaggy hair and i don't know if it's like he He's very, very good and pulls the strings in midfield and is thus the Bolton Modric, or he has shaggy hair the way Luka Modric kind of does and is thus the, the Bolton Modric. <laughs> All right, you ready to uh, to move on? 
I suppose so. All right. Should we move on to things that you wear on your head? Let's do it. Because <laughs> today's show is sponsored by our friends at Talisman Caps. Thank you to Talisman Caps for being one of our lovely independent sponsors. Mm-hmm. They rose from an idea of producing the perfect cap to support the football club that you love. And I really enjoyed it because we said this before, but it's worth repeating that like scarves came about because it was a way to support your club without wearing a jersey when it's four degrees outside and you're freezing to death. You can wear your jacket and your scarf. I think hats do the same thing, especially when it comes to summer games. We're going to have the Gold Cup coming up. MLS is in full swing. You have the Women's World Cup. If you're going to be in France, you can get a talisman cap. Wear that cap. You're supporting the national team without having to, you know, wear a wool sweater and sweat the entire summer. <laughs> and if you are a just club first kind of person, uh, if you're an Arsenal fan, there's the talisman bromance cap. Um, and if you look at the figures who are doing a very cool handshake, you'll know that it's uh, it's Lacazette and Obama Yang. Mm-hmm. You like the romance hat, huh? The bromance cap. Yeah, I, I love the word bromance. It's just a good word. Really? All right. Yeah. I, that is not a word that I would have expected Daryl Grove to uh, to thoroughly enjoy. Uh, I like the, the Mia Ham hat, as I've said before. I think that's a good one for the summer. You have the Cooligans Stay Gully hat, which we have two of them sitting on our desk right now, staring yeah, at do. me. They're a little bit bullying. They're a little bit mocking. They're saying mean yeah. things about how much we like tactics. But their they're hats very still quite pretty. Yes, they're very gully. <laughs> um, I've mentioned before, I really like the support local um, selection as well. I love wearing my orange support local one. Because that, that I can also claim that as a wolf's cap. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel, I feel like a big part of it is is the wolf's yeah. loyalty. And then they do have the Street Soccer USA caps. Uh, I wear that one. That's probably the one I wear the most often. Uh, I yeah. wear it to our Street Soccer games, but I wear it just, just around, and I get asked questions because it has a very cool uh, symbol. And then when I explain what Street Soccer is, that tends to pull people more into it. And I think that's the other benefit of their caps is that they're very unique and interesting looking, and that does get people who might not otherwise care about soccer or soccer hats interested in what is on uh, your head oh you think you could say it's a conversation starter there we are um <laughs> so if you were browsing talismancaps.com and you're looking mm-hmm. at it and you're thinking i like these caps but 35 dollars is maybe 20 percent more than i feel comfortable paying what could I do about that, Taylor? Uh, you could use the discount code TOTALSOCCER20, all one word, to get 20% off your order with a minimum purchase of $35, which is the cost of one cap, which I believe is That's why incredible. you structured it that way. Yeah. Why did no one tell me this before? <laughs> oh, Daryl Grove. Oh, <laughs> Daryl Grove. So once again, it's talismancaps.com, and the discount code is TOTALSOCCER20 mm-hmm. for, as Taylor said, 20% off any purchase of $35 or more. Link and discount code will be in the show notes. So not writing it down right now is no excuse. Indeed. <laughs> Thank you to Talisman for sponsoring today's episode. Two more questions for us, Mr. Grove. The first oh, yeah. comes from Gray Hair Gaming. Uh, how important is it to know the history of soccer? Is there an order of priority knowing everything about your club, then your country, then in general? For example, should new, uh, new U.S. national team fans know we beat England in 1950? Should new Liverpool nope. fans know of the <laughs> Gerrard slip? Should all fans of the uh, Maradona Hand of God moment? And where should fans go to get this knowledge first of all no one should know that the us beat england in 1950 we should bury that and never talk about it i don't think we should but i also (laughs) think that it's okay if you don't know that yes actually i am so this is my serious serious Mm -hmm. answer i don't think there should be any pressure to know the history of soccer agreed you can be a soccer fan like after one game if you really want right you can watch and say i like this sport and then you're just you're into it and you enjoy it Mm -hmm. there is a nerdy element to it that i think you and i kind of represent that um that once you're into it you want to know more and more right so you just like feel the compulsion to read up on the history of soccer because it's enjoyable and it's also like it's like getting to um a tv show like say game of thrones if you just happened to like turn it on last night and you saw the finale and you were like oh wow that seems really good um then you can go backwards and watch the whole thing and mm-hmm. you're lucky that that exists right soccer is like that except there's like like decades of decades of seasons to go back and watch um so it's really good in that sense but you're also not obligated to do it and you shouldn't feel ashamed if you don't know stuff yeah i I would i would agree with that I, i would extend it though that if you are the type of person who likes a debate who likes to kind of argue who likes to get into things about tactics or who the best player is or what the best team is 
then it does quickly become on you to know what you're talking oh, about because you got to back it up. Say you are like a certain podcaster who used to report on things. Say like 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 your initials were BS, for example, and you like reported on stuff. Um, I would say that if you come into it and start proposing all this stuff about how soccer could work better and why it should be this way and why it shouldn't be that way, you're going to get a lot of pushback. Because there's people out there who've watched it and care about it and have reasons why it doesn't work that way. So I think if you want to like talk about it in that sort of way or that sort of context, you do have to know a little bit more. But I think if you're just sort of getting into it and you like the U.S. national team and you want to cheer for them, then I think it's okay just to cheer for a team that you like for reasons that are your own. Yeah, you're talking about the sports guy, right? Um, Brian Sharetta? Yeah, that's the one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Brian Sharetta knows his history. He certainly does. Weirdly, because of all the work he does, he knows the future. Also that too. (laughs) He he has a Tyler Boyd interview before Tyler Boyd did this. I see. I I fully believe that that's actually the case, that he probably does have like that in the can, just in case. He's the three-eyed raven. Um, so, (laughs) so the the final part of uh, Grey Hair Gaming's Mm. question, we'll call him Mr. Gaming. Um, if fans want to get this knowledge, where should they go? I find this a really tough question because it's kind of everywhere. But if if you were just starting out, like there's no, you can't go to the Citadel and open it, like the big book of hair or whatever. You you have to go. Uh, where would you go to the find out soccer? Did your history? wife call it that the big book of hair? Is that where that yeah. came from? <laughs> Shannon's great. Um, I would say well, one of the ones that Daryl Grove introduced me to is the ball is round uh, by David oh, Goldblatt. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Yeah, David Um Yeah, who uh, it's a great sort of very big but very like concise but complete history of soccer, and it gives you a lot of the sort of like I was telling Margaret this that like sorry this is a bit of a tangent. Uh, my wife Margaret, I was telling her that like all of the Dan Brown heroes, like the Da Vinci Code heroes, are all basically like dad knowledge to an extreme of just like you know interesting fact and like so, and like the ball is round gives you so many like you know interesting fact as to why they're called inter milan versus ac milan like you you can get all those from that book you get a lot of that stuff but i think that's a good jumping off point uh albeit at like 450 pages but i think reddit is another one that i really enjoy i know reddit Ooh. has its downsides but i i do feel like for every question you have about soccer the Reddit soccer community tends to have an answer and you can kind of propose some of those questions or you can ask some of those questions, but also just look and see if they've already been asked or already been discussed. And I think any places that sort of have lots of people contributing, I know this seems counterintuitive. I know it's why professors used to warn us against Wikipedia, but I feel like the more sort of people that are contributing, the more, and then like kind of the upvote downvote system, it lets you know kind of what are the better answers and gives you at least another jumping off point to like, okay, this person talked about this. I want to go read more about this and see what that means. Yes. Yeah. Cause you can sort of read the discussion and the conversation mm-hmm. and just take any branch from there that you want to go and investigate. Exactly. Yeah. I would also, I would stick up for Wikipedia. I think a lot of like stuff yeah. I know about soccer, especially when you want to get the broad strokes of something, right? If you want to know about Brazil's 1982 World Cup team, you can just go to Wikipedia and look at the roster mm-hmm. and it's there. And I know you need to cite sources and you need to check them if you're doing something academic, but you can bet that the 1982 World Cup roster is accurate on Wikipedia. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, uh, the, yeah, there's, there's no reason to, there's no reason for them to lie about that. And like, and yeah. I think they're also good for like Wikipedia will show you, I believe like the club that that player played for at the time. And so like Definitely, I, yeah. I use it for a lot of like, when did Brazil start having their players play abroad as opposed to play in their domestic league? And you can kind of go through squad by squad and see yeah. the evolution see the of change. Brazil. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a basic example and a very specific example, but yeah, it has so much of that kind of general information and a lot of the data behind it. And then there's also just YouTube. YouTube is also great that. for catching up on old highlights. And what I would say, if someone's really looking to do this, is to just kind of don't feel pressure to know certain things. Just follow your nose, follow your instincts. Like if you were watching Ajax's Champions League run this year and you heard the commentator mention, this is the best season they've had since like 95 when they won the European Cup with all those youngsters. And you know, that's a, that's a famous Ajax team from 1995, right? Um, you can then just pick up on that little crumb and you could easily Google Ajax 1995 and you'll get a load of highlights of that 1995 team with Patrick Clivert and mm. Finiti George and the De Boer brothers and all that. And you, you can just dive into it and, and watch it. So I think that's an easy way to do it. Just follow your nose and watch YouTube about something you're interested in. Read the Wikipedia page of something you're interested in. The Ajax 95 team has its own Wikipedia page and just just do it that way. And then- so. 
yeah, it's not sorry. a pressure to pass an exam. It's just whatever you feel interested in, right? It's uh, free study. Free study entirely, but I think free study can be especially effective when done with other people. <laughs> like, like, and and I think, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I mean, which is usually a waste <laughs> of time and a good way to skip class, uh, but or a good time to skip class or skip school. But I would say that, like. Like you and I have had conversations with people, people who've been on the show before, who uh, or hosted the show before, uh, who maybe like they talk talk about some stuff, and then you're like, oh, but like, how much do you actually know about that? And like, yeah. and I do think that there is generally, um, like in our world that we live in, a fear of not knowing, a fear of looking dumb, a fear of being yeah. perceived as as like like getting getting Jack Grealish's age wrong or something. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who would do that or why, <laughs> but they should feel shame. <laughs> significant shame game of thrones esque yeah. shame uh no no i think it's it's more like like people are afraid to say like i don't know what that means and i find that the times that i i hold back on saying like oh i don't know what that means or what the system is or what the law of the game is about this the more confused i get because i'm operating from a like i don't understand the basic level of what we're talking about so then of course i can't have much more of a conversation. But so often when I make myself say like, hey, I actually don't know what that means. Like I'll do that with you, Daryl, and you, Daryl, will then explain it to me and it helps me understand it better. And then we can have more informed conversations from there. And I think that yeah, like it is okay person. to say like, hey, yeah, Daryl, like I've heard you talk about Ajax and say they're a really good team. Like what did you enjoy about them? And maybe Daryl gives you a little bit more information or somebody else can tell you. But people – would always, I feel like, rather be asked the question rather than told, like, yeah, that 95 team, Ajax, they're the best. And then it sort of is incumbent upon you to say, like, yeah, they, they are the best. They're totally the best, right? And then you end up just speaking in kind of platitudes as opposed to actually having a conversation. Yeah. Awkward high five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Today's final question mm -hmm. comes from Ryan LaRose. Ryan LaRose asks, why did Chelsea fly to America to play a, quote, preseason friendly mm -hmm unquote, with the New England Revolution between their final Premier League game and their Europa League final. And why would New England Revolution schedule the game midweek when they have games the Saturday before and after? This game did pop up out of nowhere, didn't it? it and did. Ruben Loftus-Cheek got injured on that turf, on that like uh, grass over turf turf, um, and will have to miss the Europa League final and the UEFA Nations League as a result. So why did this game even happen, Taylor? Um, I mean, it's it's I guess for for like the noblest reasons possible is is the strange yep. answer to this because I kind of assumed it, wasn't it was going to be money grab was it I assumed it was going to be no instead it was uh, to quote blow the final whistle on hate but it was basically a match organized a friendly match organized uh, to raise funds for organizations fighting anti semitism anti semitism excuse me and discrimination around the world I believe both. Abramovich and Robert Kraft each donated $1 million to the fund. Yep. I think it ended up raising over $4 million. Uh, and it's worth noting the match was, I think, organized in the aftermath of the uh, the Tree of Life synagogue massacre in Pittsburgh or the attack yep. there uh, that killed mm -hmm. 11 people. And I think it was sort of a move towards raising funds for these types of organizations, maybe with Chelsea thinking that it was when the season would be over – but before, like, they had to kind of make some decisions on players and before they realized that they might be in the Europa League final. Yep. And I think the background is that Roman Abramovich, Chelsea owner, and uh, Robert Kraft, the New England owner, I think they kind of know each other in some mm -hmm. way. Um, and I did some quick research on this. Um, both Abramovich and Kraft are either Jewish or have Jewish heritage, right? right? So it's obviously something close to them. So that's why they quickly agreed to do something. Um, and so that's that's why this game happened. And yeah, $4 million, as you said. I'm not sure how Ruben Loftus-Cheek feels about it, but the fact that he was like up for playing in it, I think speaks well of him. I mean, I think they were contractually obligated to do so. I think oh, Aiden, like, oh, right. Aiden Hazard, uh, Gonzalo Higuain, I think in that squad. Um, oh, right. Sorry okay, so it was a strong team put out there. Yeah, Maurizio Sarri was not thrilled. 6,500 plus round trip uh, tour, I believe, is what it was. But I yeah. guess if you are Chelsea and 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 same thing for Arsenal, you've got a huge gap between the end of the season and that Europa League final. So I think the idea maybe was also if you wanted to extend that courtesy, you could say like, oh, we're we're, we're sending the team on the road. They've got to get used to kind of playing in a different space. They've got to get used to traveling and all that comes with it. And maybe it helps keep them sharp. I would argue that maybe giving them a little bit of time off and then coming back and kind of rededicating yourself to training and re being really focused on that match probably does a better job. But I think what it ends up being is they kind of schedule this after the season in a date that kind of works for both of them because yes, it's midweek for New England, but it's also the kind of 
time in the MLS season when we're sort of figuring some some stuff out. It's not the yeah. kind of playoff push Plus, where they really need to be going for things. Plus, an MLS team is always up for playing a Premier League team, right? There's so that. I think it was more mm-hmm. of a hardship on Chelsea uh, than than on New England. If right? any, yeah. And then Bruce Arena gets to watch an extra game, um, an extra game with his players. Yeah, perfect. And, and be, but I think you mentioned Bruce Arena. I think that is worth noting. Is that like this match was organized far like far enough in the past? Uh, what like October, November of last year? That like there's no way Chelsea saw their season going in the way that they would end up being in the Europa League final or still playing like get meaningful games at this point. And I would say for New England, they didn't see things going so poorly that they would be in a position where they have to kind of fire their front office yeah. and, their man, and their coach. And now they're dealing with that. So it's sort of unfortunate timing for both of them but for the kind of best reasons possible yeah and look we're, we're kind of in a, a worldwide situation right now where mm. literally hate is on the rise yep. or figuratively hate is on the rise so anything that can be done to combat anti-semitism or any type of uh, racism is absolutely worth doing even yep. if it sort of doesn't make sense uh, schedule wise, right? I, would, I would agree with that entirely, uh, unless you're Ruben Loftus Cheek, in which case maybe <laughs> yeah, you feel a little bit more uh, saddened by the situation. <laughs> All right, so I'm I'm really glad we answered that because I didn't Is know it- that. Um, before Ryan asked the question. So I'm glad that Ryan asked us. Yeah, it's the importance um, of research because my initial answer when I saw that question pop up was like, oh, I'm sure it's just money. And then yeah. I, I'm really happy I did not give that on the fly answer, I mean, but instead did a little it, bit of research. It was money, but then it's money for good causes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you to everybody for today's questions. We always love getting questions. The URL is totalsoccershow.com slash questions. Submit them there. And we do get a lot. So, you know, uh, we can't answer everything, but we will try to answer questions, especially if we really like them. Um, if you're a subscriber at $10 a month or more, which you can join via totalsockshow.com slash join, we guarantee to answer at least one of your questions per month, unless it's crazy. <laughs> unless it's crazy. <laughs> you can't give a I mean, blanket guarantee, I mean, right? even, even then, I feel like we'll find a way to somehow answer the question as best we can. <laughs> How about unless it would take all day to answer it? Right, all right that's like fair. List the top 100 players in the world, please. That's that's not something we can do. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I don't yeah. really want to do that uh, for an entire show. Uh, 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 uh. It would also not be good to listen to a list of 100 names, right? Even 40 names is too many for the Gold Cup preliminary uh, yeah. roster. <laughs> um, all right, shall we uh, wrap this up? Uh, Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Right back at you, buddy. Listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, you might not hear much from me this week because chemotherapy starts. I, I fly back on Wednesday. Chemotherapy starts on Thursday to give you an idea of the timing of, of my trip. Um, but I'll definitely be back in the future to do some Women's World Cup group by group previews, some U.S. men's national team uh, talk as the roster comes out. There's lots to talk about, even though the season's over. We've got the Champions League final still to come, Taylor. We do indeed. I mean, yeah, yeah. Lot, lot, lots still to be discussed. And then we roll right into the summer and things escalate quickly. They sure do. (laughs) All right, listeners, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again very soon.